right single receiver Hester to the left. Press coverage, snap to Haney, throws it over the middle. Wisconsin Sports Trilogy presents the Packers Trilogy Podcast. Hey, all Packer fans, what's going on? Welcome to the Packers Trilogy Podcast presented by the Wisconsin Sports Trilogy, the podcast for diehard Packer fans by diehard die Packer fans. I am your host, Trevor. You can find me on Twitter at Bender underscore Trevor. And I am joined, as always, with my good buddy, Tyler, a.k.a. T Plush. You can find Tyler on Twitter at Tyler Kurth. And you can also find our podcast on Twitter at Trilogy underscore pod. You can find us on Facebook, Wisconsin Sports Trilogy Podcast there. You can find us on YouTube, as we now officially have two videos out. Um, the first one was a film breakdown on MVS, and now this most recent one, that actually came out today as we're recording this. Um, but as you're listening to this, it was yesterday, Wednesday, the 30th, came out with one about Rashawn Gary. So make sure you guys are checking that out. New content, exciting content, I think. Um, and I'm super excited to kind of dive more into the film and give you guys a little bit more of that aspect rather than just our opinions that you get on this podcast. Uh, so make sure you guys check that out. Today, we are going to look at the Monday night football matchup against the Atlanta Falcons. And I, coming into the year, you know, I thought the, they were going to be a little better. Um, but they continue to do Atlanta Falcons type of thing, and that blows some leads. We'll get into that. But before we do that, Tyler, how are you doing? I'm doing quite well today. I'm on puppy duty tonight as we're recording. So she's currently trying to... Uh, Alternate between eating my right big toe and then the desk leg. So she's having fun <laughs> as I do that tonight. Uh, otherwise, uh, I got an old-fashioned in my hand tonight. The Brewers start their playoff quest tonight. So as Wisconsin fans, as we all should be. And if you're like me, you're extremely nervous. So I need something to uh, calm the nerves a little bit here. Just the only problem is as we're recording this, I got two and a half more hours till first pitch. So long ways to go. <laughs> Yeah, the the whole late start doesn't help anything, and then obviously the news of Devin Williams, ugh, that that makes this an even tougher task against a very good Dodgers team. But we are not here to agonize about the Brewers, at least not right now. We are going to talk Packers, and like we always do, let's think back to that Saints game. You know, what is one final takeaway for you, Tyler? There's been a lot of talk about Mike Penton's scheme and the run defense in particular in regards to the Saints game. Even though, I mean, all things considered, they didn't, they didn't play too terrible against the run. They just happened to give a bunch of chunk plays, and a lot of them happened to be on Camara, even though some of them were on swing screens. 
But I see a lot of people are like, oh, Pettin, there's no way he's going to be here next year and his scheme sucks and all this. But I do think we'd have to step back and be like, some of this is execution too, right? Like we talked a little bit on the game after, like, sure, the Fal- or the Saints were able to just kind of run right up the middle without Kenny Clark. Like I think from a power run scheme, yeah, there's a hole there right now because we're missing our best interior linemen. But the runs that break out to the outside, I mean, there was a couple clips from the game where, like, Zedarius or whoever was holding the edge, they kind of got sucked in. And then Elvin Kamara is a smart running back, so he's able to just bounce it right outside his shoulder because there was no one contained there. And it just kind of goes down to the fact of, I think, this Packers defense kind of kills themselves or shoots them in the foot through these mental lapses in the run game. And that relates to the execution I'm talking about. I mean, you think even back to the Lions game, that long Adrian Peterson run, there was just nobody stayed home on the opposite side. So that's the one takeaway I have is I don't think it's all necessarily scheme. I do think there is some execution from the players that needs to be run a lot better. Yeah. And I talked briefly about some of the videos I've been looking at and making, and I have noticed, and this is something that I think Zedarius was doing last year too, uh, but he does from time to time, if if he feels that going inside is going to give him a better chance to get at the quarterback or create penetration, he will do it even if he does have outside contain. And that has hurt the Packers, and I've seen it on numerous occasions. And I haven't gotten a chance to watch back a lot of the Saints film yet, uh, and I and I plan on doing that, but I haven't gotten a chance to yet. But in the first two games against the Vikings and the Lions, I did notice that there was multiple times in both of those games that I'm seeing him jump inside, and then the Packers get burned. And even if it was, you know, six, seven, eight, nine yards, not huge chunk plays, but those are significant runs and runs that make it easier for an offense to continue to run the ball. So definitely something that needs to either, if he's going to do that, someone else has got to get outside contained, or he just cannot be doing that on, on rundowns, maybe on, you know, third and 12, you can do that kind of thing. But in, in the terms of second four, even first and 10, third and two like you can't be doing that stuff because we need him to set a hard edge and give the defense a chance and when you collapse down the edge like that it it does not give the rest of your defense a chance so I definitely think there is something to the whole execution thing and in terms of running up the middle it's going to get a lot harder to run up the middle when Kenny Clark is there and I know there was some some times where the Vikings were able to run on the Packers defense, even with Kenny Clark in the middle. Uh, but I don't think it's a signif- as significant when Kenny Clark is in there. It, he's just too talented for it not to be a difference. For me, my one takeaway, Alan Lazard, man, that guy really, really stepped up when this Packers offense needed him because the Saints defense, credit to them, did a good job of stopping Aaron Jones or at least limiting Aaron Jones pretty significantly. He was nowhere near the player we saw against the Lions. And when Devontae Adams is out, it's pretty easy to key on Aaron Jones and 
think that you might have a good chance to win. But when Alan Lazard plays like he did against the Saints, I, I can only imagine what this offense is going to look like if Devontae's back 100%, Aaron Jones is 100%, and we get this version of Alan Lazard. He's not going to get the near the amount of chances and chances for production that he did in in the Saints game, but you pair all three of those together, that is going to be fun. And then you add in, you know, the tight ends that can, especially in Matt LaFleur's offense, who creates wide open tight ends all the time. And then you throw in, even if it's just a couple of big chances and not even catches, but big chances to MVS, who the hell are you going to cover if you have a legit number two? And we've been saying that on this podcast that we think, Alan Lazard is good enough to be that number two, and he proved it in this one. And I've just been extremely impressed. I can't wait to see what we get when Alan Lazard is playing like that and Devonta Adams is on the field and Aaron Jones gets it rolling a little bit. I don't know who's going to stop this offense if that's the case. Me either. And the potential return of Josiah DeGuara eventually just adds to that yes. depth because yep. <laughs> he was incredible week one. Yeah, and I've said it. I think I've said it like four times on whatever podcast since that Vikings game. I was just kind of dumbfounded with the use of him. You know, you anticipated him being the tight end role, and he's also learning then the wide receiver position and offensive line because he's got to be able to do both as a tight end. And then he's learning backfield stuff because he's an H-back, a fullback, and then you're you're just like, okay, a rookie, he's not going to come in and be able to produce in that role. And he was out there a significant margin. I think in week one, he was, I believe he was out there, and I don't know, have the snap counts in front of me or anything like that, but it just felt like he was out there more than Tanyan and Sternberger. Like, it was just impressive how much they were using him. So, yes, it will be exciting to get him back, even just for a depth piece, but I think he's going to be more than that based on that week one. And maybe that was a matchup thing. They felt like they could use him more against the Vikings. We'll kind of see how that goes, but obviously he's going to be a piece for Matt LaFleur. And that is why they went and got him. That's why they got him in the third round. You know, everyone said he would have been there in round four or five, but if it's your guy, if you, if you expect him to contribute in a meaningful way, you draft him when you can draft him and when you feel like it's appropriate to draft him. And obviously the Packers did that with Josiah DeGuara. So injury report, I normally like to go through the injury report, but because it's a Monday game, um, we don't get the normal Wednesday injury report that will come out tomorrow. So we don't have concrete injury report stuff to report here today. Um, But I will pose a few questions. So one for the Falcons Are we going to see Julio? Are we going to see Calvin Ridley? Those are the two big ones. Julio did not play last week, and Calvin Ridley went out with an injury against the Bears. Are those two going to be ready to play? Because if they are, this is going to be a good Falcons offense that we have to face, and they have not had issues putting up points, at least in the first you know, three quarters of games. Um, If they don't play, I think think the Falcons are fighting and – Huge uphill battle playing this 3-0 Packers team. The other side of the ball, obviously, is Devontae going to play? Is Kenny Clark going to play? Is the big questions for the Packers. So, Tyler, do you have any thoughts, any 
injury report news that I haven't seen out there yet. Have you seen anything else? Uh, not on the players you mentioned. I mean, Kelvin Ridley, it kind of looked like he's making another jump this year. And then Russell Gage came out of nowhere, but he went out of last week's game with a concussion early on. So is he going to play? Otherwise, the Viking or the excuse me, the Vikings. Wow. The Falcons could be down their top three receivers in terms of depth chart, which would obviously be a very uphill battle for them. And I think like Packer injury wise, like the other important part to remember is the Packers are on a bye week after the Falcons. So like if someone like Devante is says 85%, is that last little 15% really worth the risk when you got another week to recover? Probably not. I bet they would tend to be more cautious at this point in the season. So I think that might play a factor and is kind of leading me towards no for both of them, even though we obviously know nothing about what's going on with them. <laughs> so I, I have a couple things. First, I understand why you confuse the Vikings and the Falcons, because at this point in the year, they're the same team. <laughs> uh, the Falcons do a little bit more creative job of losing games, but, you know, they're both 0-3, struggling teams. Um, <laughs> two, I think you hit the nail right on the head with Devonte Adams and Kenny Clark. Unless they are 100%, I do not see them playing in this game because you're 3-0. and Obviously, you want to win, especially NFC games. Like It doesn't just have to be NFC North games. Like In terms of playoff seeding, winning your NFC matchups versus the AFC ones, are more. it's more important to win the NFC. So you want to win this game, but at the same time, you just beat a immense well I don't know about immensely more talented but a better overall football team in the New Orleans Saints so without these two guys so with that extra week to recover and you can get them back 100% after the bye week and you know maybe you get Christian Kirksey back at that point as well maybe Kamal Martin's able to come back off off of IR at that point and Josiah DeGuara's back all these guys are coming back and then you're going right into another big part of your schedule where you have the Bucks after the bye, and then I think you have the Texans and the Vikings. So there's this stretch of games where, yeah, do you want them out there for this game? Of course you do. You always want your best players, and these are two of your best players on the team. You want them out on the field, but how you laid that out is is a good point of is it worth the risk? If they are 85%, and there is a 15, 20, 30% chance of re-injury, I don't think it's worth it. If there is like, you know, there are 100% and there's zero risk of re-injury or zero more risk, then there already is risk of playing NFL football. You can get injured at any point. But if there's no more risk than normal, then put them out there. But if there's more risk and you can just wait, not have them play this week, and then you don't play next week and gives them an extra chance to rest, and then you get them 100% for the rest of the year, or hopefully the rest of the year, I think that's a smart way to go about it. But we'll have to see what happens. Um, hopefully they are 100%. Hopefully we can see this full team out there or close to it. But we'll kind of have to wait and see what happens there. Let's move ahead to what is one key matchup or one thing the Packers need to do in order to win this football game. So I initially wrote down that our cornerbacks need to be good, which seems kind of silly when we're talking about the potential that their top three receivers could not be playing. 
but they also could play at the same time. I mean, we don't know. Monday's just so far away. But my other main reasoning for that was because the Falcons are pass-heavy. I mean, some of it has to deal with game situations through the first three weeks. But, I mean, last week really didn't. They had a big lead on the Bears and just blew it, flat-out blew it. But if you take a look at their passing attempts, they've attempted the fourth-most in the league, third-most in yards, and Matt Ryan's got six passing touchdowns on the year already. So... I mean, while our corners have been really solid this week, Matt Ryan's a pretty damn good quarterback yet, and obviously we know what Julio Jones can do to any defense. So a really strong performance out of all of our corners to kind of limit this Falcons offense is going to be key, I think, in this game because they're going to get tested if all the receivers are healthy. I definitely agree with that, but it's – is Julio going to play? Is Calvin Ridley going to play? Even Russell Gage, if he's out there without Julio and Calvin Ridley, it it's not the same offense. It's not even close to the same offense because Julio is, in my opinion, he's the best receiver in the league. And the Packers got the next best receiver in the league on the other side of the ball. So, like, that's the number one and two, in my opinion. I know a lot of people will make arguments for Michael Thomas, DeAndre Hopkins, great, great receivers. In my opinion, it's Julio 1, Devontae 2. But it'll be interesting to see. And and if Julio's out there, even if Calvin Ridley and Russell Gage cannot play, that our cornerbacks have to step up in that situation too. Um, and Jair Alexander has been incredible this year. I think through the first three weeks of the season, he is the second highest rated cornerback per pro football focus so take that for what it's worth you know whatever your opinion on pro football focus is they're giving us a number and they're giving how they feel these players have been playing and he's number two in the league right now and surprisingly and i don't know how because i he has not been playing good over the last couple of years but apparently xavier rhodes is number one in the league so that's just funny um, to laugh at the Vikings about that too. You know, Stefan Diggs is changing the offense in Buffalo and now Xavier Rhodes is back to Rhodes closed and, and he's out of Minneapolis. So that's just hilarious. And that is just the Vikings thing that they get rid of all their good players. And for some unknown reason, <laughs> um, for me, the one key matchup is, and it's not even a matchup or, thing like that it's just what the Packers need to do and that score I think if the Packers score 35 plus to be safe if they score 40 like they have been you know against the Saints they scored 37 I think the Saints have a better defense than the Falcons do by a pretty considerable gap I they score 35 or 40 I think the defense and as in the Packers defense is going to do enough just like they did against the Saints they're going to make one or two plays one or two stops and even if this Falcons offense is clicking, they have all their guys, I think the Packers defense is going to be able to make the stop first as long as long as the Packers offense is what we saw through three weeks. And I do think that's going to be the case because they have been awesome and I don't see any signs of slowing them down. So my thing is just watching the offense. What kind of production are we going to get out of them? I anticipate similar production, um, but that's just my thing because I think I don't think the Falcons will be able to score with us. So my thing is the offense needs to be the offense we saw so far in 2020, and and that'll get the Packers their fourth win in a row. 
All right, let's go ahead and move into our one stat for this game. What one stat are you looking at, Tyler? Well, I'm looking at the Packers four, so how many points they've scored versus the Falcons' points against, or how many they've allowed on the year, because it's literally the exact opposite ends of the spectrum. Packers are first in the league, 122 points scored on the year, which is good enough for a 40.7 average. Falcons' defense has given up 108 points on the year, which is dead last in the NFL on an average of 36 points a game. So I, I do think that's quite funny and worth mentioning. Yeah, so my whole kind of thing the Packers need to do is just their offense needs to continue to be their offense. And with a defense like that, they should definitely be able to continue with their offensive tear that they started the year on. Um, I'm going to move ahead to, of course, my favorite section, the DBOA stats. And you might not want to get into the minutia of this stuff and like all of that, you know, advanced analytics type of stats. But, you know, it still gives us a ranking as to where these teams rank um, in the league. And that's the numbers that I will be sharing with you for this Um and that's kind of why I want to use it because it's very easy to go look up, you know, yards per game stats and where that ranks and points per game, all that kind of stuff. So I'm just going to give you the DVOA rankings. Um, so going for Atlanta, their offense is ranked 19th. Defense is 20th. Special teams, 24th. Overall ranking of 21. So very below average for all of those um, and maybe slightly below average for some of those aspects, but definitely something that they're, they're not a great team right now. They're not playing like a great team. Their offense will click for a while, but then they'll just struggle for a half or a quarter. And it, it's really brought them down um, for all of their DVOA stats and for the Packers, looking at their offense, that is ranked second. Uh, last week it was first. Break that down a little further. Um, the rush DVOA for the Packers is fourth in the league. Last week that was the first ranked unit there. Um, for the pass offense, the Packers are now fifth. Last week they were eighth. So a little bit of decrease overall. Pass game got a little better, and that should make a lot of sense when you look at Alan Lazard's stat line. Defensively, went down a little bit overall. They're 28 this week. Last week, they were 26th. Um, and the main reason for that is their pass defense DVOA went down quite a bit. From 13, now they're to 20. Um, and actually, surprisingly, the rush defense went up a little bit. From 30, now they're at 27. And I think... That makes a lot of sense. Early, the rush defense was struggling quite a bit, but I think later on in the game it got a little better. Um, but the pass defense did not. And I think the biggest – the reason for this drop is Alvin Kamara. And, you know, there's nothing more important than that 52-yard what is basically a run because it had about, I don't know, from where Drew Brees was to where Alvin Kamara – caught it at the line of scrimmage. Maybe he threw it four yards forward, um, but it goes for 52 and a touchdown and the Packers pass offense just looked like crap. 
um, especially against that running back. And I'd like to see kind of the splits, you know, wide receivers, DVOA against, against the Packers versus, you know, running backs past DVOA and see if that really changes because I feel like quarterbacks have been playing well. I feel like receivers haven't really gotten off against the Packers, but you know, the, those running back swing routes and different things like that, I feel like have been an Achilles heel and it was very evident in that saints game. Um, moving ahead to special teams, special teams got better it was 12 last week, and it was actually 12 the week before, up to seven now this week. Overall, they're at eight. They were fourth last week. So overall, an improvement. Defense went down slightly. That's because of that pass DVOA was the biggest reason why the Packers overall went down. Uh, their offense did decrease a little bit um, in terms of the rush. Pass went up. You know, I think I think all of these numbers make pretty good sense with where the Packers are, um, not only for DVOA stats, but also like the eye tested. These numbers, for the most part, make sense to me. Um, I think rush defense, you know, 25 to 28 seems like a good range. After that Saints game, I understand why the pass defense went down to below average, and I also understand why before it was a little bit above average. Um so these stats make sense to me and what I see watching this team. Let's move ahead to our score predictions. Tyler, what do you got for this Monday night football matchup? Ooh, well, last week I thought maybe the Saints defense was going to give us a little bit more trouble than what actually happened, and now we're playing a worse defense. So I'm going to fully jump on the bandwagon here of this Packers offense is capable of putting up 35 points plus every week until I see otherwise. So I'm going to go with a Packers win. I'm going to say they score 41, and then I do think this Packers defense gives up some points. I'm going to say Falcons score 31, but overall a 10-point victory is pretty comfortable. So to get to 41, you got five touchdowns and two field goals there, and then the Falcons have four touchdowns and a field goal. That's my prediction. Yeah, I, I'm i going to go kind of a similar route, um, but a little bit more of a blowout. I think the Falcons are still going to score, um, but they're going to get 28. So just that four touchdowns. Packers are scoring 45. 45 to 28. It's not going to feel close throughout the whole game and the end score. The defense isn't going to give up, you know, that those cheap points that made the Vikings game closer um, than it was. I think the Saints game, you know, seven feels right. Feels that that could have been an even closer game. You know, the Saints go for the touchdown instead of kicking the field goal. It's a three point game. I completely get why they kicked the field goal. It makes a lot of sense to do it that way. Um, give yourself the most time and most opportunity to make the plays. Um, but overall, I think the Packers just kind of route the Falcons. I think the Falcons offense is good enough to get some points on the board, but I don't think they're going to hang with this Packers offense because I trust the Packers defense more than I trust this Falcons defense. And I, even though, you know, DVOA they're ranked worse, I just don't think the Falcons are going to be consistent enough to rush enough to make it a big impact because I do think that the pass defense is going to bounce back a little bit. But if, if the Falcons are willing to stick with the run long-term 
and you know they're close enough to do that that'll make the game a little bit more interesting I think Todd Gurley could have a game but I also think the Packers offense is going to be clicking from the get-go and the Falcons are going to have to score early to even have a chance to use the run game in a, a meaningful way so to me if the Falcons don't score early this is going to get out of hand early um, because I do think Todd Gurley could be their kind of equalizer but I just don't think they're going to keep it close enough early on to be able to con- use the running game to their advantage so Packers win 45-28 and go into the bye on an extremely high note before they go play Tom Brady and the Buccaneers so that'll be fun 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 stuff um make sure you guys are checking out the brewers trilogy podcast hopefully we can put out a wild card victory recap coming up here soon um make sure you guys are checking that out make sure you're checking out our youtube page like i said we're working on some film breakdowns those are gonna continue to get better they're gonna get a little bit more in depth eventually i do want to bring tyler on board but we're just kind of getting our our stuff down and and making sure I know how to edit a video and all of those types of things um, before we bring in an, an extra voice and things like that. So I we are gonna bring on some more um, video content. So make sure you're on the lookout for that. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube. All of those types of things. But even if you don't subscribe on YouTube, make sure you follow us on Twitter at trilogy underscore pod because those are gonna be posted there as well for your easy viewing pleasure. So make sure you guys are checking that out. But until next time, go Pack Go. Trustin' Jones.